Voice of St. Louis original podcast. Welcome in to the St. Louis All Local Podcast, a production of the KMOX News Team. Today is Thursday, August 31st. I'm Michael Calhoun. Our top local story, Mayor Jones tells the Attorney General to read the bill. A letter was sent to Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey in response to his comments about a proposal to ban so-called military-grade weapons in St. Louis. Mayor Tashara Jones calls her bill a common-sense proposal and noted A.G. Bailey should reserve judgment until he's read the legislation. She claims it is not unconstitutional, as Bailey says. The A.G.'s office confirms they received the mayor's letter having sent one of their own to Jones earlier this week. Sean Michael Lyle, KMOX News. The FBI wants to stop school violence before it happens. KMOX's Stuart McMillan explains. In an effort to stop school shootings in the future, the FBI here in St. Louis thinks they have a pretty good idea of how to do it. And it's not with metal detectors or anything else. It's with old-fashioned human ingenuity. At a recent conference, nearly 300 administrators from public schools around the area showed up to hear what the FBI has to offer, and they want to be able to have districts create for themselves threat assessment teams to be able to identify troubled students within the school district that have the potential for creating violence like school shootings. Missouri schools are using advanced technology to help add realism to emergency training. Simulator technology is being adopted in an effort to create more immersive training on school campuses. Glenn Moore with the Missouri School Board Association says this technology can be used to get a lot of practice with efficiency. This can be brought in and set up in a room and the actors are incorporated in it on the screen. So it requires uh, minimal on their part and then we can replicate scenarios and uh, gauge it for the responses that we want. Scenarios aren't limited to just active shooter situations, but also de-escalation training for bus drivers and school board members. Sean Malone, KMOX News. When it comes to child care in Missouri, there are still long wait lists as desperate parents search for care. Casey Hansen with Kids Win Missouri says thanks to federal pandemic dollars, a lot of money was invested in the child care system, but... That, you know, programs are still working to make sure they have the staff to be able to serve the kids. Um, And so... While that license capacity has increased, the actual capacity of facilities is really um, dependent on the workforce issue. Hansen says child care workers need higher wages and benefits to attract people to the field. When child care was shut down during the pandemic, many workers found they could make more money doing other jobs that had room for advancement. As of September 1st, the busiest Illinois DMV offices are requiring appointments. Secretary of State Alexei Janulius calls it the Skip the Line program. Making an appointment is easy. Our website has a make an appointment button that is prominently located on the main page. That prompts, the prompts help you select the DMV location and available date and time that works for you. Those busiest offices no longer taking walk-ins include the larger Metro East offices. A pair of national publications featured St. Louis is a great place to visit this summer. Inspiration for those articles in Forbes and the New York Times came from the local tourism bureau, Explore St. Louis. The Times piece focused on the new Brickline Urban Trail, which begins near City Park and ends at the riverfront, says Kat Neville. That was the only walk featured in North America 
which was really oh. interesting um, in the New York Times. And then the Forbes piece came out of our arts fam, where we brought in national writers who were interested in, in exploring the St. Louis art scene. The Forbes story called Grand Center, the nation's most exciting emerging arts district. You can now check out more than a book from St. Louis County Libraries. Free Narcan will be available at all 20 libraries by September. County Executive Sam Page tells KMOX the majority of people who pick up Narcan are not drug addicts. Most of the time, what's happening is these are family members of people who have substance use disorder, um, have an addiction problem, and they're coming to the library to get Narcan to have it close by in case uh, their family member overdoses so they can save a life. The life-saving medication will also soon be available over-the-counter in local grocery stores and pharmacies. The FDA approved over-the-counter sale of the product earlier this year. Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walmart all plan to start selling Narcan nasal spray as early as next Thursday. It could be available online possibly as early as next Tuesday. Two doses of Narcan should cost about $45. The life-saving medication can be used in the event of an opioid overdose to temporarily reverse the effects of opioids. Fred Bottomer, KMOX News. The KMOX Business Desk. People are picking up more private label items at the grocery store. Data tracking company Numerator says about 18% of businesses' uh, purchases are private label. The cheese, wine, baby, and pet categories are seeing increases. Walmart has the three most popular store brands, Great Value, Equate, and MarketSide. But Aldi is one of the fastest growing. As the news continues on KMOX, Labor Day approaches this weekend and a new poll shows two-thirds of Americans support unions. And there are these pushes we've seen to unionize new industries. Companies are not always responsive in those cases and inflation has reduced consumers' buying power. So what is the state of the American worker? Just ahead of Labor Day, acting U.S. Labor Secretary Julie Sue joins us on KMOX. Thank you so much, Michael. It's so great to be with you. And it's such a good point that we are seeing um, high approvals for unions. We're seeing um, workers organize and demand higher wages and better working conditions at the same time that um, we are uh, making historic investments, federal investments into um, infrastructure that's creating new good jobs and good union jobs. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, we've seen, uh, you know, Starbucks workers, other retail and food service nationally, uh, the likes of Chipotle and Apple stores. And here we've seen a half dozen Starbucks stores, a lot of cannabis locations unionizing. Why do you think this is such a trend? What's driving this? I mean, I think some of this is just working people realizing that for too long, the economy has not worked for workers. And that is, you know, President Biden's vision or Bidenomics is really about rejecting the trickle down policies of the past. We see that those policies have failed working people. They've failed the middle class. They benefit a privileged few. And that's not the way the economy should work. And so workers organizing, including in industries where it's it's challenging, right? You, you, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, from uh, uh, coffee shops um, to warehouses. Uh, it's a challenge for 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 working people to organize and come together, but they're doing it because this is a moment where working people are really demanding their fair share. Now, when it comes to these uh, Starbucks specifically, uh, there have been some accusations that these companies are getting away with just not responding, not negotiating, not uh, not complying. In some cases, they're doing it on such a scale that it's hard for the government to keep up. 
Right. It's one of the challenges, again, you know, when workers organize, even when they um, win a union, that ability to get to a first contract is slower than it should be. And that is a problem. Uh, The flip side is we do see some employers who are doing it the right way. They're either pledging neutrality in the face of uh, union organizing or they're voluntarily recognizing a union and they're coming to the table and negotiating. Uh, We're also seeing some longstanding unionized employers reach agreements that I think are inspiring uh, other workers to organize. Now, a couple of uh, major employers in the St. Louis area. First of all, uh, there's U.S. Steel, which is looking to sell its Granite City Steel plant to a a non-union company that's called Suncoke. It could uh, eliminate a thousand jobs, and the hundreds that remain would not necessarily be union. The Steelworkers Union would like this deal blocked. Do you know if the the federal government uh, is considering or could even have any kind of intervention with this? I don't know, Michael. That's a good question in terms of what the government's role in something like that could be. Um, I mean, one thing that, you know, the president says it all the time, right? The, uh, you know, middle class built America and unions built the middle class. And so with these historic federal investments that are being made in infrastructure, we're really looking to make sure that those are good quality jobs that will create a pathway to the middle class um, for 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 families. Um, and we're working actually in St. Louis um, with the National League of Cities and Mayor Jones on ensuring that there's proper workforce development in local communities to connect people to those jobs. Now, another major employer, uh, General Motors, uh, has a plant here. You talked about infrastructure. We're talking about uh, automakers beginning uh, to electrify. But we found that in the transition, a lot of the new facilities are are not necessarily union, especially when a component like a battery, the manufacturing wasn't unionized before. Um, so what's the administration doing to ensure that unionized workers currently in the auto industry will be able to find unionized and electrified jobs? Right. So because so much of this activity is happening, so much of this economic growth um, is due to really historic federal investments, right? Whether it's direct investments in building infrastructure or if it's in the form of tax credits, for example, as you alluded to, when it comes to uh, clean energy and electric vehicles and batteries. The Biden-Harris administration has a vision, and that is that... um, we want these investments to go to creating good jobs and good union jobs. And so we want to incentivize that kind of, uh, uh, you know, the kind of behavior that's going to lead to um, project labor agreements and um, and prevailing wages wherever possible. Um, the president has said, and I believe this too, that when he sees clean climate, he sees good jobs. Uh, there is a way that we can solve our climate crisis and our good jobs crisis at the same time. And that's the kind of future that we'd like to see. And we are seeing that in some places, right? We're seeing, uh, you know, electric school bus manufacturers uh, unionize in places like the Deep South. Um, so this work is not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be easy, uh, but we're all in uh, to, to to make sure that, um that, that workers benefit from the transition. As we wrap up with acting U.S. Labor Secretary Julie Sue on KMOX, uh, this is something that's kind of played into uh, your confirmation prospects in the U.S. Senate. We've talked about uh, full-time workers, uh, but a lot of people are finding themselves in the gig economy now. Exactly. It's a very, it's the right question, you know, and there's no reason why flexibility and employee protections cannot coexist. 
you think this is more a federal or a state issue? I think it's both. I think, you know, as with so many things from enforcement to workforce development, uh, a federal state partnership is really how we uh, we get the best results. And we know that the federal labor law provides a floor beneath which no one should have to live and work. And in states across the country where people understand best the local conditions and local needs, uh, there can be higher standards. And um, and we appreciate our partnership with um, w- w- with states um, that, uh, that, that share a vision of a good economy where working people do well and no one gets left behind. Secretary Sue, thank you so much for your time and joining us on KMOX in St. Louis. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe, stay up to date, search for St. Louis All Local on the Odyssey app, and of course, KMOX at the top of the hour.